right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I am Scott, your host of Nerd Cyclopedia, the podcast that takes you through nerd culture one letter at a time. And today we have an extra special episode. Uh, today is a nerdendum, and in the past we've done nerdendums to update uh, different, uh, you know, certain pop culture icons or events that have happened in nerd culture. And today it's a little bit different. Today. We're going to be doing a little bit of a talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And I teased this a little bit in a Star Wars special uh, that we've already uh, recorded and put out. And uh, today, I am going to be joined with a good friend of mine. Uh, and his name is, a uh, name that's familiar for the podcast, and that is Iceman. Uh, we call him Justin as well. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing very well indeed. The countdown is on for episode 8. As you know, uh, we've been promoting that a lot on our page on Facebook, which is a place you can get us some feedback. And uh, I, for one, am super excited about Episode 8. I absolutely love uh, the idea of, uh, of what's going on with Disney Canada. What do you think about that, uh, Justin? What are uh, your thoughts about the uh, pending release of the 8th Star Wars movie? I still remain hopeful. Oh, every time I get sucked in and I'm hoping they're going to do something new and not just carbon copy the originals. So, I got my fingers crossed. I'm not banking on it, though. <laughs> so, ca- cautiously pessimistic, right? Yeah, the uh, the abysmal uh, episode 7 destroyed my hopes for a little while, but Rogue One was pretty good. <laughs> I really liked Rogue One a lot myself. Um, but we're here to talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe, which is something that I know I am personally very nerdy about. Um, before we jump into talking about the books, though, I just wanted to ask you, Justin, um, you know, how would you describe your Star Wars fandom, and what's your first memory of Star Wars? Because we asked uh, some of our other guests about Star Wars about that. Uh, I, I kind of came in it into it sideways. I, I had seen the movies on TV as a kid, and they really didn't draw me in. Like It was, it was like, ah, there it is, okay, and it wasn't that big of a deal to me. Um, I, for some reason I got obsessed with Wing Commander in the 90s. I was playing those video games and I started reading a couple novels. Uh-huh. And, then, and then a friend of mine recommended, it, hey, why don't you try some Star Wars novels, the X-Wing series, because I was really into space fighter pilot stuff. And that series mainly followed the fighter pilots. There weren't any Jedi, really. And so I kind of, like, edged my way into Star Wars there, and it slowly... I kept up reading into the extended uh, universe. So my experience came from a love of the extended universe and only really liking the movies because of them. Um, it wasn't until I went back and watched them after reading a lot of the extended universe that I now they, I started to get obsessed with the movies. So I wasn't even really that taken by them originally. Awesome. Yeah, I know we've talked about that before, and I thought that was an interesting perspective. I've mentioned that on the on the, uh, the main podcast. Uh, we talk a little bit about perspectives, and, and I wanted to, to kind of get your feeling on um, on uh, the expanded universe in general. And I knew that you know uh, we are two people that have actually read a lot of expanded universe. Uh, you have read more than me by a pretty good margin, actually, because <laughs> I know you never stopped reading them. Um, so you like the X-wing books a lot. So the X-wing books followed Rogue Squadron, right? and uh, the adventures of Wedge Antilles. And what was it about the X-Wing series in particular that spoke to you in a way that, that the movies didn't? 
I think there's something about novels where you can just get much farther in depth. It doesn't matter how good the graphics are or how well the writing is. Movies don't stand up to novels most of the time. They're very challenging if they do. Um, so the, the, the X-Wing series was just very well written. Uh, the second half, Raid Squadron uh, by Aaron Alston was fantastic. I think that's when they started to get uh, people like Aaron Alston to come on board where they had quality writing because there was a lot of misfires in the early EU. Oh, yeah. And that was before I got uh, started reading it. So I kind of saw all... I read those later down the line, so I was reading mostly good stuff like the X-Wing series. And then you run into these older ones where they're just carbon copies of the movies. They're... Oh, there's a big threat. Luke, Leia, and Han have to go get rid of something that's kind of like a Death Star. There's some new evil Sith person that's kind of like the Empire, mm. or Emperor, or Darth Vader, and they're literally carbon copies, which is exactly what Episode 7 made the mistake of doing. <laughs> I'm sitting here hoping, begging for something original, and they gave me the exact carbon copy of the Star Wars novel that I hate. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I'll, I'll tell you that I agree with you about about how some of those novels are just like, okay, so now they're doing this and, you know, they're going to blow up the Death Star. You know, some Jedi will use the Force in a weird way and just destroy the uh, the MacGuffin-style planet killer <laughs> thing that whatever Emperor clone came up with, came up with, right? Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel that. So, so why don't we do this? Because I think that, especially because it's sort of being overwritten by the new Star Wars canon, the Disney canon, why don't we give a brief? Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a brief synopsis of what happened, um, kind of the big events that happened in the expanded universe? You know, as far as they got. Well, I mean, it's broken up into errors. I, well, I guess we could start with the area that's being rewritten. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all being rewritten, but they haven't gotten around to actually rewriting most of it. Uh, there's, I think, forty plus years of timeline after. Uh, Return of the Jedi in the original, the real extended universe. <laughs> it's not like you're biased or anything, right? You don't. I'm I just not, like that. I just like that you don't wear your opinion on your sleeve. That's what I don't like about. <laughs> I'm not talking to you about this stuff. I do not recognize the authority of George Lucas or Disney mm. to change anything. Mm. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I appeal to no authority. Every time George Lucas gets involved, he takes a big shit on the the real EU. (laughs) They would dance around it and fix it and pretend it didn't happen until he finally took a couple that they couldn't do anything about because they worked so hard not to retcon. They had whole teams of people making sure everything made sense, and Lucas would just come by and be like, I don't give a crap. (laughs) Well, he did that all along. You know, They talk about the Force as some sort of mystical, philosophical entity. And then he makes episode one, and he's like, "Nah, just kidding. It's all nah, it's all germs. That's <laughs> yeah. just germs. And if you uh, if you have are force sensitive, you're basically just a really dirty person. That's kind of how you just have a bunch of germs in you." Yeah, so that's that's what George Lucas and in, his entire involvement with Star Wars to me is. See, <laughs> but there's a, there's like forty years of timeline. Uh, the X-wing thing is a really near right after Return of the Jedi where. The war with the Empire is still ongoing. The mm-hmm. death of the Emperor didn't really change that much. There's, and you get 
the X-Wing series is really cool because it shows the how they take Coruscant back and and some more details of the war. Mm-hmm. And and then they get I think you get some comic issues where there's a clone emperor returns and turns Luke to the dark side as an apprentice. And they've got some MacGuffin style things in there because that's some of the horrible parts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have the really popular Thrawn trilogy. Oh, I, yeah. That happens after the X-Wing series. I like the Thrawn trilogy. I want to talk for a second about the Thrawn trilogy. Because the Thrawn trilogy was really good because it took... You know, Admiral Thrawn did a bunch of stuff that you would be like, you know, if you were watching like a Star Wars movie, you'd be like, why don't they just do that, right? Like, what's the my favorite Thrawn gambit was when he he invaded the uh, Imperial Remnant shipyard with a bunch of like drill drill like ships, and he drilled into all these ships and had commandos take them over, and then just stole the entire Imperial fleet under construction and just like <laughs> like totally decimated them, right? Yeah, that, I mean, he had some great moments. And I think even writing-wise, they had a, a really... Just like in movies, I've seen people break down movies where they say, you shouldn't tell us what happened, you should show us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes for better storytelling. And they have those great moments in Thrawn where they show you why he's a badass. Oh, yeah. And Thrawn is a... He's got blue skin and red eyes. And he's actually in the new Star Wars Rebels cartoon series, right? Yeah, I haven't brought myself to watch. I never watched most of the Clone Wars. Uh-huh. I kept trying, and I couldn't break it through season one. I'd get to, like, a C-3P episode and want to shoot myself. <laughs> and I just couldn't do it, even though it looks like there's a, some good episodes later on. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard good things about it, but I'm in the same boat as you. I think I'm just, I hate to say it, but I think I'm just too old, uh, too old to begin the training, you know? Uh, yeah. to watch that show. Uh, I've heard Rebels was good, but I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you know, one day. One day. But this is about EU, not the Disney stuff, right? Yeah. So, so Thrawn comes in, and he basically almost brings the Empire back from, from losing the, the Emperor, you know, which uh, which is pretty nuts. And then there's the Jedi, uh, and then sort of what happens next. It's a pretty big event there. Uh, Han and Leia have kids, right? That's that the next thing that happens after the Thrawn series? Um, I, well, I think actually you have the Jedi Academy get started. Okay. Uh, founds the new Jedi Academy. Then there's a bunch of very shitty books in a row. <laughs> I think those are some of the original, like the older ones before they really brought good talent. They started to get better talent for authors. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got like the Dark Saber and you've got the Black Fleet Crisis of the three book series which almost broke me that's almost where I stopped reading the EU right there <laughs> like I I've never broken halfway through a book like I put the book down for like six months and I had to like suck it up to finish it uh-huh. and then I and like somehow I finished the next two that one was pretty bad where there's an some very aggressive species in an uncharted sector and it was complete crap <laughs> and basically, those those beings are never brought up again, ever, because it was so bad, and no one wants to revisit it. Well, yeah, uh, we're just gonna assume that the main, all the main characters on uh, in that trilogy were were just high the whole time, and they just saw all that stuff, and now they're not. It was only six hours. That's it. Yeah. So I mean, it's it was apparently like an alien race able to beat the Empire. Right. That's how powerful they were. So the Empire and the the uh, 
Republic had to come together to fight them. That's how stupid the plot was. <laughs> but the um, I think then the the one section I never did read was the young adult. Oh, uh, I could I always read the plot synopsis. I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I guess they had kids, and they were born somewhere in that earlier time. Um, okay. Some one of those novels, maybe during the Jedi Academy or something. They were real young. So, during... so Han and Leia have a kid, and that's the same. So the in the Disney canon, they have one son, Ben. So in the expanded universe, instead of one son, they have a son and a daughter, and so they have I have fraternal twins, and they're named. Uh, Jason and Jaina, right? Yep. And then a couple, and then a couple years later, they have a third child who's named Anakin, which seems yeah. weird that that Leia would do that, but Leia did that. Well, there was apparently some scene somewhere where Leia uh, forgives the the Force ghosts of Darth Vader or something like that, so she makes peace with them. Well, trying to rec- I think she's trying to reconcile his na- or name, give it a new start or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since he did technically turn into a good force ghost in the end, we do have to consider the original uh, series ends as a redemption story for Vader. Yes, and I that's the, I think that's the best reading of the original six. I agree. Yeah, I agree for sure. I think that is what the uh, the prequels changed about it, but uh, or even led in, built up even more. They made it more about a, uh, Anakin Skywalker's journey. They also, the prequels also made Anakin Skywalker really dumb. I thought he was pretty gullible and dumb through most of the prequels, but my issues with the prequels are well documented on this program. Yeah. The, um, I think, um, I think then you've got, uh, Luke meeting up with Mara Jade Skywalker, who's one of the most popular characters in the EU. Yeah. They get married, and they have a kid who ends up being the apprentice of, of uh, Han and Leia's son, Jason. Mm-hmm. And, and you get into the whole uh, New Jedi Order 18-book series. That was a heck of a series, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean it had ups and downs. There was a couple of weak ones, yeah. a ton of good ones, too. So, so, so Jason Solo is kind of like a—he's more of an empath— then sort of a powerful force user for a vast majority of the series, right? And he is... And Anakin's actually the real powerful one. Like, he's the one that does all the crazy MacGuffin-y stuff with, <laughs> like, with the force, right? Yeah, he's the, the gung-ho, the new Luke Skywalker, young Luke Skywalker, young Anakin Skywalker type. Yeah. Um, whereas Jason wants to be a pacifist, wants to meditate, doesn't want to be involved. All... So I mean that's they kind of build it up that way. But isn't uh, isn't the sister the bad like the baddest one of all? Like she's the toughest one. She ends up being that way, but it's they really kind of build that up towards the end. Jason is the they becomes the savior of the galaxy in that main, big saga, and then the following sequences uh, they they build Jane up a little bit more too. But at that point, Jason is on par with Luke. Although they keep having him like, oh, maybe he's stronger than Luke. But then they just kind of retcon that a little bit. Every once in a while they're like, no, Master Luke Skywalker is like the undisputed but most powerful force user of all time in the EU. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because so the EU follows Luke too. And, and Luke 
is is in the EU is essentially reaches a force power potential that's what Anakin Skywalker could have done if he'd never been you know chopped into tiny bits because of the high ground. Yeah, and then like that's a they have they have all these little details fleshed out in the EU, which is great because uh, you see that uh, and they some of that does they don't even get into until the final couple uh, series. That there's a two nine book series he's right at the end and one of them um, they kind of get into that detail where Jason is turning to the dark side and that's mm-hmm. your big turnaround in that series is that Jason's um, the savior of the galaxy has been logically convinced that turning to the Sith is the best thing he can do for the galaxy and and they kind of go through that process of him turning and they explain how Anakin was never able to reach his full potential because he had too many robotic parts and the force requires living flesh to channel it. Uh, and so that's why someone like him um, and, or Luke could reach the full, full potential where uh, Jason tries to reach it by turning to the dark side and gets the full Sith mastery. Yeah, and his name is what, Cadus or Cadus? I, I don't think I ever could pronounce that right. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's C A E D U S, right? Yeah, um, yeah, but I think I, that whole series, I mean, I and mean, you get the new Jedi Order with the invaders of the Yuuzhan Vong. Oh, and, yeah, the uh, the species from outside the galaxy that uh, indulges in pain as worship to their gods. And yeah, and all their techs, biotech, and the Jedi can't sense them in the Force, so now there's a reason why the Jedi aren't as effective against them. Um, I mean, I thought it was actually a pretty good... A lot of people don't like that. They think it's not traditional Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. We needed to do something original. Yes. Oh, oh, if we keep just repeating the same tropes of the Star Wars movies, it's boring. And it's like reading Spider-Man comic books. I'm not five years old anymore. I can't read the same rehashed plots over and over forever. Exactly. And the other issue with those all those novels is that you know, there would be like a villain this the novelist created, and then a main trilogy character and another character the novelist created are in a room, and there's one gun. And I'll tell you who's not coming out of there dead, right? <laughs> I'll tell you that they're not letting someone kill off Han Solo, you know what I mean, on a book. <laughs> Except for Chewbacca. They were, they were, the alien was allowed to die. <laughs> yes. they. So Chewbacca dies at the very beginning of that of the uh, New Jedi Order series, the invasion of the extragalactic menace. They crash a moon into a planet, and it kills Chewbacca, and that makes Han hate his 13-year-old son who's piloting the ship. He, he blames his 13-year-old son for not hanging on the... Uh, the planet long enough to save Chewbacca, obviously forgetting the fact that his 13-year-old son is one of the most powerful Force users in the history of the galaxy, <laughs> right? And would know when to get out of there. Well, I think that's the difference between I mean, uh, m- most of Star Wars and what they were allowed up to. I thought that was actually a good thing because you've got character development. You've got Han going through struggles and the loss of his friend and it changes his character he's not just stereotypical han for a while oh uh, so i mean that's the type of stuff that's actually good writing and it forces the characters to change and develop and from that point forward you're like heck they killed chewbacca i don't know what's gonna happen now who who's gonna die next i don't know 
and there are other people, a couple of major characters that die. No more main trilogy ones, but uh, I wish they would have, because I don't really care about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, so at, at about the halfway point of that, the New Jedi Order series, Anakin Solo, Han and, um, Han and Leia's son dies in the, uh, in the uh, like some sort of center point station or some sort of big space station for the Yuzun Vong where they make these Jedi hunter lizard things. Yeah, he goes on that big mission where that was the big thing, taking the Jedi out of time, and Anakin becomes a martyr, saving the Jedi by taking out, uh, I forget what they're called, but he takes out the, the Jedi hunter, or monsters, basically. Yeah. Like they, um, uh, I think the, um, the big thing, thing there, or it's just the, I don't know, I, for anyone listening who's not read the EU... Some of this may sound familiar, or where in the novel Jason Solo has to kill a major character. He kills his aunt and turns to the dark side. So the son of Han and Leia turns to the dark side and kills someone in his family. That might sound familiar, dear, if you've only watched the movies. <laughs> it's like they cherry pick the best moments of the EU and and just trash the rest. Well, it's not like unlike the you know unlike the movies you know the novels you don't have to pay Harrison Ford fifty million dollars every time you want Han Solo to show up and be like you know hey kid I'm flying the Falcon in here well better get out of here the space station's under attack right like you can't <laughs> you can't do that with the actual Harrison Ford <laughs> yeah and I think uh, that probably was a budgetary concern but I think he was trying he'd been trying to get Han Solo killed since the eighties so yeah. He said, I don't understand why he survives this movie. That's what he said in <laughs> episode six. I, I thought that was funny. I read an article recently where they said um, Carrie Fisher's new book said that him, her and Harrison Ford had an affair while he was married on the set of A New Hope. <laughs> and he was supposed to leave his wife, and he went back to her, got a divorce, but didn't come back to Carrie Fisher. So from that point forward, he's been trying to get... But that character killed, so he doesn't have to go back on set with Carrie Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. And, and of course, you know, everybody that's seen a lot of production stuff about A New Hope knows that those guys never thought the movie was going to be big like that. You know, like they didn't, they didn't think Star Wars was going to make, you know, a billion dollars in 1977. Uh, and, and then it did, and it kind of, you know what I mean? It really caught them by surprise. They thought it was not going to be great. <laughs> So I think the the EU kind of started to fade towards the end there. That last series had Luke just kind of wandering around being a total badass, and it got a little weird, him going around with his son in the, the last nine-book series. But, I mean, I kind of still wanted to see where it went, and there is a great novel series. Um, I think it's... I want to say... Leg, it's not Legacy of the Force. That's the novel, one of the novel series. I mean, but it's set like, a hundred years after any of the novels, or 150 years after the movies, or something like that, where it's multiple generations after Luke, so they won't let us see where Luke dies, but they jump forward to his great or great-great-grandchild who sees the rise of a new Sith, destroys the galaxy, and destroys the Jedi again, and watches his father die, and cat uh, Cade Skywalker. Oh yeah, I remember that series. 
It's actually really badass. It's a great read. I, I still I bought the entire. It was only like a fifty issue run in Dark Horse, and you, he at a young when he was a Padawan, he watches the destruction of the Jedi, and barely makes it out alive, and gets picked up by pirates, and becomes a pirate after that. Is addicted to death sticks, and is basically <laughs> a bounty hunter by the time he hits an adult. But he also happens to be a Skywalker level force user <laughs> and kind of has to make his old uh, his old um, teacher comes and finds him um, who he was apprenticed to and is trying to get him to come back to the Jedi and be a symbol for the Jedi to rally around and he's like yeah I'm just going to make some money and fuck around uh, <laughs> and it's like, thanks to my force training I can win I can win a gambling whenever I want to He's basically Boba Fett with a drug addiction and force powers, and then <laughs> occasionally does something good. <laughs> like kind of accidentally. Yeah, but all it, right. He does as as uh, because he's mad at the Sith for killing his father. He does eventually come back and like take out the new Emperor, or which is a uh, Darth Crate. But it actually was a very good series. They have a legion of Sith. It's not like it's one or two Sith. It's a whole army of Sith, which is a concept I really like in a lot of the EU. That's why, even though I enjoy the New Jedi, I, uh, the Order, the New Jedi Order, that whole 40-year run is okay. But there's a bunch. That's where a bunch of the crappy parts are, where they call it kind of the uh, the Rebel era or the young. The Luke Skywalker, Han, and Leia era that's just after the war, where everything's about them. That's the worst part of the entire EU. And if you're going to skip a part, you might as well just skip it, because it's just rehashing A New Hope a million times in a row. <laughs> um, it's actually the stuff that happens before the movies, the stuff set thousands of years before the, ser er, the movies. That's the interesting stuff, because it doesn't even have to care what happens in the movies. Yes, that is right. I, I almost forgot to even talk about it. I got so caught up thinking about the sequel timeline because of the coming release of Star Wars Episode Eight, And, of course, our podcast recapping Star Wars Episode Eight, which will be up the day after, uh, the weekend after the premiere. Look forward for that on the encyclopedia. The podcast you're listening to now, you have to be aware of it, or else you wouldn't hear this. So, <clears throat> we almost, I almost totally forgot to think about or talk about the Old Republic stuff. Yeah. Did you ever the Old read... Republic stuff is awesome. Yeah. The old, I mean, the Knights of the Old Republic was obviously a classic video game, and it was based on comic books before that. And, I mean, there's some stuff intermixed here. There's some decent uh, The Old Republic novels after the MMO came out. But the one, uh, the guy who wrote Knights of the Old Republic, which I think even a couple of years ago when I was I was watching or reading an article about top 10 twists in video games, 10, 15 years after the fact, Knights of the Old Republic 1 is still ranked number one on the best plot twist in it in a video game. It really um, is that good, too. That's a really good plot twist. Yeah, I mean, you get the, in that video game, you're, you play a character who's, following along a Jedi and trying to help, and then you find out, oh, I have Force powers. They're going to train me. And then you're trying to stop the Dark Lord, and you got this little subtext of a uh, Darth Malak 
looks like the guy you're trying to stop betrayed his master to become the Dark Lord, Darth Revan, and Darth Revan was the ultimate badass. And you get to halfway through the game where you finally meet up with Darth Malak, and you have this confrontation, and he just starts laughing at you. Oh, and he's laughing, laughing like, you don't know? They didn't tell you? You're Darth Revan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yet I, I took, kidnapped you and, and scrubbed your memory, and you, you're the Dark Lord who started all of this. So, like, that's a great little twist in the video game. Oh, yeah. And uh, Darth Revan still, I mean, that might be one of my one or two favorite Star Wars characters of all time, just because of that. Um, and then you have like a thousand or so year, a couple thousand years after that, you have Darth Bane, who's mm. the infamous uh, creator of the Rule of Two. He's going to, he's the one who starts the dynasty of Sith that leads all the way thousands of years into Palpatine and the big uh, plot to destroy the Jedi, where he did it through secrecy, not through sheer numbers, where in the past the Sith would show up with an army of Sith, and they'd have big wars against the Jedi raging across the galaxy. I, I, did you ever read Darth Bane, Scott? I actually never even read Darth Bane. I know you've been telling... Justin and I are, are friends from uh, from a long time ago. We've been friends for a while. He's been telling me to read Darth Bane probably for about 15 years. Probably yeah. about that long. It's... <laughs> If you never read any Star Wars EU, there's a trilogy, the Darth Bane, the, even if you just read the first book. I mean, if you read the first book, I guarantee you're going to read the next two. They're, they don't live up to the first one as good, but they're still very good. The first book is the hands-down best Star Wars novel ever written. There you go. It is above, I like. I will go on record as saying it's ten times the novel of the Tron, the Thrawn trilogy. That's oh, how wow. good it is. Uh, they like I don't I wouldn't even reread like Thrawn right now because I've read it and like, yeah it's not that good of it's a great read but it's not a great reread I'm not gonna keep coming back to it every couple of years right. I've I've reread the Bane trilogy maybe ten times <laughs> I I do have it on Audible now so I don't have to try as hard <laughs> you can just listen to it while you work yeah so but the Darth Bane there's still legions of Sith. But waging war on the Jedi, when he comes on the scene, he's recruited as a uh, abused minor on a forgotten world where the Republic doesn't really care about them and lets them get abused because they need, um, I forget the metal. They always have that, the one metal that can resist, like, lightsaber, or they talk about every once in a while. It's been a while since I tried to look that up. Uh, but there's some metal they're import. It's can. It's oh man, it's like cortosis. Yeah, that that like is. That. Yeah, cortosis is it. Uh, but they're mining cortosis. He's lived there his entire life. His father was there. His father abused the crap out of him. His father's friends abused the crap out of him. He's just angry, pissed, and he find he's a big. He's not even like uh, he's not a small guy like you'd see. Mo, he's a big. Looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger the Sith. <laughs> with no hair because it all fell out because he's been in mining for so long <laughs> and they find him as a he flees uh, he's accidentally killing a guy in a fight and the Sith recruit him and they have he's put in the Sith army and he works his way up as, as a sergeant and his his semi-force power he kind of just get hunches 
He can get out of situations. Every once in a while he does something, you know, a little above ordinary, and he gets noticed by the Dark Lords. And they take him off for some offense, and and instead of killing him, they make him part of the Dark Brotherhood. And they he goes to Korriban and trains. You get to follow him through his training, little twists and betrayals of people at the Academy. And just to sum it, without ruining too much, he goes from... By the beginning of the book, he's an apprentice being trained by the Sith, and there's a massive army as a back, or war as a backdrop to the novel. You see the, you follow the leaders of the Sith, and they follow the perspective of one General Hawk, the big Jedi general who's trying, who forms the army of light to destroy the Brotherhood of Darkness. And by the end of the book, Bane is the only Sith left anywhere. That's what Bane accomplishes in the course of one novel, and it's not like it's spread out over a decade. This happens, you know, in a year or something. <laughs> so Bane destroys the entire Sith Order in a year and makes the Jedi believe that they were destroyed and they don't know anything about him, and he disappears er, with and finds a, a new young Jedi, a, a former Jedi apprentice, and takes this young girl in as his apprentice to train. And that's the end of the novel where he can sense her raw power. He, he comes upon her, and she somehow got abandoned. She, like, the Jedi were so desperate, they are recruiting children and taking them to war. That's how desperate they were. Wow. So, like, this Force-sensitive girl gets separated, and her only friend is, like, this little creature. And the Jedi, by thinking they're coming to rescue her, accidentally destroy the creature that helped her survive. And she, like, flips out and with no, pretty much no training, snaps fully trained Jedi Knight's necks, like multiple ones. Bam, bam, kills everyone in a rage. And Bane's like, yep, there you go. That's my new apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's a awesome, awesome, and, like, it gets into the, the, what really gets me sometimes is the lightsaber dueling. They go through his training and his Jedi, the the weapons master training him, and then he ends up having a duel with the weapons master somewhere later in the novel, and you see Bane, like, walk his way up the ladder until the, he deceives everybody, like, playing mind games with the leader of the Sith. <laughs> it's just epic. It's like, up until that point in me reading the EU, I'm, like, white knighting it. I want to see the Jedi win. I want to see the good guys win. I read that one novel changed my whole perspective on reading fiction, where right. I'm, you're rooting for this bad guy doing horrible things by the end of it. <laughs> oh, wow. So Darth Bane would be your favorite character from the EU, or, or would it be somebody else? I would have to say, I, I usually put Bane and Revan pretty neck and neck, mm. uh, but, but Bane would probably would have to be the best one, um, just because he's the, that novel plots him out pretty good. When they finally did do a Darth Revan novel, which I, I'm like, I'm sitting there waiting to read the the book when it finally came out. It actually was a little disappointing. It's the same author who wrote the the guy who wrote Knights of the Old Republic one, un, is the guy who writes the Darth Bane. Drew Karpinski, I think, writes the Darth Bane trilogy. But unfortunately, the uh, Darth Revan book wasn't that great. I. It follows what happens to Revan after uh, he beats, wins the day in Knights of the Old Republic. 
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, they kind he kind they were setting up the old Republic, but with that type of novel, so they kind of had to push him in a different direction because they wanted to use him. So they came up with a crappy plot that meant he could come back in the MMO. <laughs> they used to just yeah, it used to just be like they just be like we want this guy back, so uh, back to tank, boom. Yeah, I mean, but they had to preserve his ass for like 300 years. It was. Pretty... <laughs> uh. Well, don't forget there was also like we we alluded to some of the crummier uh, EU offerings. There was that one where uh, Luke got cloned, right? And for some, I don't know why this is, but in the Star Wars universe, the only way to tell if you're a clone is if you have like way too many syllables in your name, you know. So instead of Luke Skywalker, his clone was Luke Skywalker. They actually have, I think there's one or two books, and I don't know if I read the second one, because it was right around the end of the time I was reading EU. There was a point where I wasn't going to count Death Mask, because the reviews on it were so bad. It was actually a horror genre Star Wars novel. I couldn't bring myself to read it. I hate, I'm not a big horror fan. <laughs> um, but besides for that, like there was a point right before that where I could say, I've read literally every EU novel. Oh, I wasn't counting comic books or young adult, because I'm not counting young adult. I was reading all the adult level Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, there's 125, 130 books at that point. I got on a, uh, some forum online, and they're like, oh, let's see who's, who, what read the most Star Wars novels, and everyone's like, I've read 30. I've read 40. I'm sitting here like, am I the only one who's read all 125? And, like, <laughs> finally one other person says, Oh, I've read them all, except like twenty. I'm like, that's, <laughs> God, according to that poll, apparently at that point I had read the most Star Wars EU of anyone on the internet. That's and right. Who was looking at the that one post anyway? And, and that's the thing, guys. We bring this type of specialization to you here at Nerdcyclopedia. I go out and I find the biggest nerd I could possibly find. I brought him here to you today to talk about Star Wars Expanded Universe. And uh, we're super glad you came on today, and we really appreciate your time. Um, anything else you want to say about the EU? What, what, any pardon, uh, pardon words you want to give to, to anyone that you might want to see if you can spark some interest in them to go and read some of these books? Um, I mean, and as far as ones you're going to point out, obviously the Darth Bane trilogy is the best series. Thrawn's good. Uh, if you want to really dig in, the New Jedi Order is a long 18-book series. But I... I I don't. I think uh, you didn't like them as much, but I liked the uh, the couple of series right after that. The Legacy of the Force was actually good to me. Yeah, uh, that's where I, I tapped out right around right around there. I just couldn't keep track of it anymore, you know. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Legacy of the Force, but it wasn't anywhere near Bane's level. Uh, some of the earlier ones, the Han Solo trilogy, is actually really good. Uh, that was a good one in the pre original movie like, era, I guess. Um, and I'd also like to just point out that I have not read any of the Disney novels, and my opinion will continue to be that they suck. <laughs> Very open-minded. That's how we like it here at Encyclopedia. Open-minded until you make up your mind, then shut. Yeah. And shut forever. I, I read some brief synopsises, and they haven't been rated very highly. So basically, they... They threw out the baby with the bathwater. They had a big stable of highly talented uh, authors. Although I think they brought a couple back. 
I think they brought the Thrawn guy back for to write Thrawn. <laughs> and uh, I think Aaron Alston died, who was my one of my favorite authors. Oh, so I, I don't think I'm getting any more of those. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But Drew Karspinsian's still around. Maybe they'll pull him in. But either way, they they're going off on some weird, stupid stuff. Like there's some magical trees that Luke had to save, apparently, what? according to one synopsis. Yeah, that, that's really what happens after Return of the Jedi. He goes off and saves magic forest trees. Well, 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 no wonder this Luke Skywalker got his, his butt whipped by his nephew, you know? And they're going to go into some weird origin of the Force, probably, because that's that's what the novels are pointing at, that, like, hey, this, is the, this is the source of the Force powers for everyone or something. And I don't know, it's... it's the EU goes off on some weird stuff, but even that's just too stupid for me. <laughs> well, my, my guess, and this is my honest, uh, my honest guess for what's going to happen in Episode Eight, is that Luke's turned into sort of like a Howard Hughes style, you know, hermit character. And when and when he says to Ray, as he says, "Who are you?" and then she tells him, and he goes, "Are you clean? Are you still dirty? Do you have midichlorians?" Ew, ew, ew. And he runs away. And that's the end of the movie. It's a very quick movie. Oh, and it's them. And it's two and a half hours of Ray kind of climbing down to get the body. There are there is a lot of speculation that, uh, and I'm hopeful that they'll use some of these EU concepts, like the gray Jedi. I or thinking maybe uh, Luke has gone more into being a gray Jedi, able to use the dark and the the light, and try walking the balance because that's how the original Jedi were. Mm-hmm. Or I think there are some. I read. I don't think I finished it because they weren't that good, but uh, there was a comic series where they went back to the original Jedi in their home solar system, and the original Jedi weren't dark or light. It was they walked the balance. They got they're able to do all sides, right? And then some people got a little crazy and went all dark. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't have too much chocolate in the peanut butter. Too much peanut butter than chocolate. You need a nice balance. Yeah, and I, they dipped into that in the uh, the legacy comic book series, the ones far in the future with Cad Skywalker. In that timeline, you can see where uh, Jaina Solo, who ends up dating an imper- the guy who ends up being the new emperor, but he's not has no force powers. Uh-huh. So you can see where that ended because the the that uh, imperial remnant now has an emperor with force powers. Hmm. How did that happen? Jaina obviously had kids with that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they founded the Imperial Knights, basically, which is a Jedi order for the Imperials, but they're gray Jedi. They mm-hmm. they don't follow the light or the dark, and they, uh, what is it called? They, uh, they basically serve their master. <laughs> they serve the Emperor. <laughs> But he, in that novel, in that the comic book series, he's actually not, he's a good guy. He's a, you know, harsh, harsh in his tactics and willing to, like, go to war and do stuff the Jedi might not do. But he's depicted as basically a fair ruler with powerful Jedi-powered knights at his side. Right. That would actually be good guys. <laughs> seems, seems it to me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on here, and uh, uh, thanks so much. I uh, just want to reiterate for everybody here that we are going to be doing uh, our recap special for Episode 8. It should be out um, uh, pretty close to the weekend of the uh, the 15th. 
Um, I'm super excited about it, so look out for um, our uh, individual hot takes, which you might get, and then our uh, full uh, full threaded recap that we'll get there. Uh, Justin, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate having you on here. Thanks so very much. Thanks for having me, Scott. Absolutely. All right, crazy man, take it away. Yeah.